in the book of First Samuel. Again, that's a shocker, maybe for some of y'all. We'll be back in First Samuel. We're in the very next chapter we were from last time we got to speak. First Samuel chapter 18 is where we'll be at this morning. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 is where we'll start reading in. If you would, uh, when you can, please stand uh, to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. First uh, Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Uh, the Word of God says this, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would not let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was upon him, and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. Uh, Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that uh, the women came of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands to me have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the blessings you placed in our lives. We thank you for this opportunity to come here this morning to preach the saith the word of God. We uh, pray that we can open our hearts to you, Lord, that we pray that we, our studies have been enough, Lord, Father, that we can uh, uh, grasp what you try to help us to understand this morning. We, we pray and thank you, Lord, for the many uh, that are here today, the, the ones that aren't here, Lord, the many problems, the many heartaches, the many troubles that people are going through. I pray uh, that you watch over me and every heart, you know, every need this morning. And I thank you for those things. And I thank you for my, my home in heaven. I thank you for the cross at Calvary and that you shed that blood to save a sinner like me. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. And can be uh, seated this morning. Now, uh, with the scripture that we're looking at, uh, the last time that we were in First Samuel, if you back up one chapter, most of you know we preached on uh, David and Goliath and the mental uh, problems that uh, that David had to go through to fight Goliath and uh, all the people that doubted him and how he had to overcome that. And if you read uh, to the end of that chapter, you see that Saul, uh, in so many ways, says, "Hey, this is great." He brings the head of Goliath to Saul, and uh, uh, Saul starts uh, to pretty much comfort him in so many ways because he he sort of realizes who David is and what he's going to be. Uh, I don't believe he knows at this particular point. Uh, there may be different opinions, uh, uh, but I don't really think that he knew that he had already been uh, uh, already been anointed as the next king of Israel. I don't believe Saul really knew that at this point. Uh, but you see this happen, and you see Saul uh, uh, put him over these people. Now, you start this chapter uh, understanding that Saul uh, has... We, we see David has just defeated the Goliath, and we see uh, Saul's son, Jonathan. Now, it says that when he had made an end of speaking, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Uh, so the first thing that we see after this is a friendship 
that happens between Saul's son and David. We see a, a, a friendship that is very strong. Now, even after that, we see in verse 2 that uh, Saul was so interested to keep David with him that the Scripture says that uh, David is no longer going to go home. Uh, we like him so much uh, that he's going to stay with us. Uh, uh, you're not going to have to go home. You ain't going to have to watch sheep no more, David. You're going to be with us uh, from here on out because we, we know what's going on here. Uh, but even more interesting is when we pick up in verse 3, we see that Saul's son steps in uh, and he gives him his clothing. And I think that's very interesting to look at. Then uh, Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. And what does it say after that? It says, and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, I think uh, reading that piece of Scripture, we need to understand who David is, where he's came from, what he brought with him. Uh, he was sent to battle with cheese and crackers. We've already uh, sort of covered that last week. He was sent to bring food to the army. Uh, uh, David didn't pack up his best clothes to go to war. It wouldn't make no sense, uh, especially if he was feeding an army. Uh, David showed up as the youngest son of all his brothers. He uh, wasn't chose to go to battle, and he was the shepherd of the flock. He might have been a little bit dirty. He probably had holes in his clothing. Uh, he was the poorest, uh, one of the poorest people uh, and of the poorest part of his family being the youngest son, he probably had all the hand-me-downs. He didn't really have the nicest things. So when he showed up to battle, uh, we'd like to think of a little boy that went out there and fought Goliath. Now, this was a, probably a man, but he went out there and fought Goliath, killed him. He probably didn't have on the nicest attire. What Jonathan did was showed his friendship to his, his new friend and said, hey, you don't look the part. You probably don't smell the part. Uh, uh, you, your appearance uh, is, is not exactly, will not match what's going on around you. So he gave him his clothes. He gave him something to make him feel at home. He gave him comfort. He gave him friendship. He saw a need in David's life that a friend needed to meet. He stepped in and said, here is my clothing. Here is my belt. Here is my sword. You don't have these things, David. Him being somebody that had something, went to somebody that needed something and give it to him. It was friendship. It was love. Uh, how good does that make you feel to be able to step in and you have plenty, you have enough. Uh, uh, Lord, help us all. Uh, his son definitely probably had enough. Uh, uh, had enough money, had enough clothing, had enough things. Well, he just gave them to David. And my goodness, uh, can you imagine the, the, the gesture, what that meant to David? Uh, the king's son just came to me and gave me the king's son's clothing, the king's son's sword, the king's son's attire I am dressed with. You know, that, that was so much value to David's life at that point. I, I believe that. He, it says in the Scripture after that, I, I think it really important to see that David went whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him, set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. What happened after David? All this doubt, all this worry, all these, all these mental battles that David went through. He fought Goliath. And everything changed. Ain't that amazing how, how many times we go through all these mental battles, these struggles, these big battles. And at the end, we're going to be all right. And David had to go through those things and be doubted and be persecuted. And his brothers even tell him, why are you here? And uh, you're, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You can't even wear this armor. He fights Goliath and he wins with one shot. Then the people see who he is. 
Sometimes we get one shot, people. We get one shot to show people who we really are. If David would have went out there and slung one rock and missed, do you imagine what would have happened in the camp? There are, I, I've already said last week, they were probably already worried. They were probably already doubting. Uh, how is this, uh, uh, this boy, this man, whoever he is, how did he get to Saul? How did he get out there with the sling? And why is he fighting a nine foot, ten foot tall giant uh, in the name of Israel? If he'd have missed one time, could you imagine the heartache going through the camp? He says, man, this isn't good. Sometimes we get that one shot. We get one opportunity. David stepped out with one rock. And defeated the Philistine. And defeated the giant. And we see that Saul's son cleaved to him. He gave him his clothing. He became a, a great friendship. Made a covenant with him. And said, we're going to be friends. I'm going to support you. We're going to be a best of friends throughout all this. And then we see that Saul commanded that he would be put over the armies. We're going to put you over the armies. And the Word of God says uh, that he went whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. What did, what did David do? Even though these people doubted him, even though they ridiculed him, even though before this, well, you're not old enough. He kills Goliath. They say, you old enough now. <laughs> you old enough now. I've seen that in churches. I don't know if y'all been in, I've only been in church my whole life. I'm 33 years old. And I've seen people have that one shot, blow it out of the park and says, yeah. Yeah, you're qualified to do that. Yeah, you can, you can do those things. Uh, how many of us, when we start teaching kids how to drive a car, and we don't think they can drive a car, and finally they get to where they can get down the road a little ways and say, wow, they're, they're finally figuring this out. Maybe they can turn loose. And, you know, they have a wreck center or, or things happen. But uh, sometimes people doubt us so much in our abilities and what we can do. David had that one shot. He did it. Now you can do it. We're going to get you some clothing to make you look right. We're going to give you the stuff and equip you. We're going to set you over armies uh, the same way in the church house. We get that one shot sometimes, and we had to do it. We had to do what God tells us to do. He set him over his men of war. The people loved David, what the, what the Word of God says. Even Saul's own servants loved David. Uh, that's how much uh, people just flocked to David. It's, it's, I want you to realize something. It wasn't because of just who he looked like or, or David himself. It was because he was anointed by God. He was anointed in a special way to serve God. If he wasn't anointed, I don't believe he would have made a whole a heck of a difference showing up in that camp. Uh, he probably wouldn't have slung that stone at that time. He wouldn't have had all these people love him. God was with David. And in verse 6, shows us something interesting. We see in verse 6, And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. So when we transition from chapter 17 to chapter 18, I don't know if it's weeks, I don't know if it's months, I don't know if it's days. But to help you realize something, no matter how long it is, they went from the battle of fighting Goliath the Philistine and, and tracking all the way back to Israel. I don't know how long, I don't know if they made stops, I don't, I don't understand that. But either way, they have made a, a travel. And during this time, David has been appointed over the Israel. He's been given clothes, he's got a covenant. I don't know if that takes days, months, weeks. Uh, but he gets all the way back to the city of Israel. And what does it say? It says that uh, they were singing. The women came out of all the cities of Israel. Uh, they were singing. They were dancing to meet King Saul with tablets, with joy, and with instruments of music. So they, they had a party. 
It's kind of like you've seen footage of people coming back from World War II or, or different wars. A, a band strike up. It's just a joyous time uh, to have people back. Uh, people get excited. Saul is excited to be home with his people. Uh, the people love Saul. Uh, Saul's been at the fight and his army has won a great war, even with the help of David. Uh, Saul is victorious uh, and he goes into the city. I believe his head is held high. We already know Saul's a big old guy. I, I'd like to think his chest is puffed out. He's got a lot of pride in his heart. He feels a lot of pride for his country, for his God. But we get to verse 7, and something changes. Okay, it's changed right here. It says, And the women answered one to another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They were singing a song about what David had accomplished. They were uplifting David a little higher than they were Saul. It says in verse 8, and Saul was what? Very raw. He got angry. He got mad. And the saying displeased him. Verse 8 shows us just how little it takes to make a man go crazy. Y'all realize that? Verse 8 shows us just what it takes to drive people over the edge. Do y'all know what it took? Some words. He was victorious. He'd been in the presence of God through David killing Goliath with one stone. A giant nobody would face. Uh, they go into town and people are going crazy. There's music. There's cheering. There's, there's all kinds of honor. But one little phrase got him mad. One little phrase drove Saul to craziness. If y'all if y'all really read from here on out, Saul's crazy. From this point on, hearing that one thing changed Saul's mood for the rest of his life. It says, it says that he's after him constantly. It says what he heard there bothered him to the core. It, it even says in the Word of God right here that it says that, well, he's got the people. What's going to stop him from taking my job in so many ways? This is the only thing left, the kingship. Uh, he's won the hearts of my servants. He's won the hearts of the people. Saul was worried about David. Well, he should have been because we know that Saul wasn't in the right life, in the right point in his life and he had already lost the Spirit of God. But we see what it takes to upset a man, a woman. It doesn't matter who you are. It's just some words. Ain't it amazing how much words can change your mood? can change what you've got going on in your mind. It took just a little bit of words. And we see how Saul reacted to words. He became to be a worry wart. He worried. He got jealous. Uh, he had doubt within himself. He distrusted David. Just some words about David being better than him. He didn't trust him anymore. I can't trust that guy. I know that God's with him. I know he just uh, he's best friends with my son now. I, I know he looks the part. He sounds the part. He is the part. But I don't like what other people are saying about him. I don't like that. He had distrust. He had anger. He had anger. How should we react to someone being lifted up? How should we react to somebody doing well? How should we react as a people to somebody that's victorious? How should we react to somebody that's doing good and rising up and being strong? I hope that we praise them. I hope that we say good job. I hope that we, as a crowd, see the crowd lifting them up. We lift them up too. 
Uh, how many times do we see people, boy, I tell you what, preachers are the worst. I'll tell you, I've been around them enough. I don't care who hears this, but preachers get so mad <laughs> at churches that do well. I don't understand that. I have heard so many churches, the first thing they do is they hear about a church doing well, and I'll tell you what they say. I've heard it enough. They ain't preaching the Word of God over there. <laughs> they ain't preaching the true gospel. They ain't doing this, and I've heard that from pulpits till I'm sick of hearing about it. We get mad at people for doing well. A Saul got mad at David for doing well. We get mad at people because they're doing good. Does that make any sense? Why people have that small man attitude that we look at a big church and say, yeah, they can't be doing something right over there. People don't know places where they preach the Word. I've heard that until where it makes me giggle. Where people think that just because churches grow in numbers and they fill up parking lots, they fill up pews, something's wrong. I say something's right. I say praise the Lord. Hey, you baptized five a week. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. And build up the kingdom. Why do we get upset? And that may sound funny to you. That's exactly what Saul did. Saul said, well, he's doing stuff in the name of God. People love him. I hate him. He must be doing something wrong. <laughs> That's exactly what Saul thought. Something ain't right. David, he's, he's after my job. He's after my people. He's got jealousy, worried, doubt. He asked himself, what else could he get but my job? He's done everything else. He's going to take my job. And then it's, it, it, Saul, Saul lifted him up. He set him over armies. He, his son became best, best friends with him. We, we saw him. He saw him kill Goliath firsthand there on that, on that valley. But it took someone else's words. It took a small amount of somebody else's words to turn him against David. It took somebody else's. I want you to know something about words. Words will many times eat at our hearts. Words hurt. Words either written, uh, spoken, uh, typed. I don't care how you get the words out there, but words so many times will eat at our hearts and they turn us to do what we normally would not do. They do. Mean things said to you will get reactions from you that you normally would not do. They make us angry. They make us resentful. They make us jealous. They make us opinionated. They make us vocal. My little old boy, he's seven years old. And he's got a little smart mouth on him like me. It's all right. He's learned to talk back to me, sort of like I snap back at him real quick. And boy, that gets under my skin. If you've got a little old kid, he knows that he snaps back. Uh, how many of us, we think we can snap back at things when things are said to us mainly? On the way to church this morning. He'd say something to me, and he's always got to have the last word. Boy, it gets under my skin. I'm trying to tell him, son, you need to stop. So I ain't doing that. Son, just stop. What's the... I didn't do it, Dad. I want you to just stop speaking. What about now, Dad? He tries to get under our skin. And that's comical to y'all. But on the way to church, it really doesn't help me. <laughs> I try to get in the mood to worship. I try to focus on the message or, or anything like that. And you'll have those people in your lives. And I'm picking up my son. He's seven years old. That's, that's boys. That's, that's just him. That's him. A lot of me in there. But those words hurt over and over and over. Those little words will drive you. I, I, I was going down the road a while ago and I told Kim, I said, it's, I'm about to go crazy in here. I'm about to go crazy. 
I tap the brakes kind of hard, let the kids know I'm about to pull over on the side of the road because of these words, these craziness. Words hurt. And not only do we need to understand that we need to watch how we speak, there was nothing wrong with what Saul heard. Those people were uh, proud about David. Nobody, a nobody shepherd boy in the poorest family walked up and killed the biggest Philistine in the army. Well, that makes me get fired up thinking about it. Some nobody stepped in and become the biggest somebody on the battlefield who wouldn't want to sing songs about him, who wouldn't want to praise him a little bit. Hey, this is David. He's done these wonderful things. It's normal. Normalness made Saul mad. Just those little things, we have to realize that we don't need to speak so much harsh words, but we need to understand that we need to be receptive. We need to hear things and not get upset. We need to understand that we need to listen and understand that praises for other people is completely fine. I pick at people sometimes. I've had preachers come preach, and, and I, I've heard people pick at me, and they, they do it just to pick at me. They say, boy, it was nice to hear a good message. <laughs> but just picking at me, and I got it, you know. I understand that they're picking We have to realize that sometimes we have to just love each other. We have to love each other. And Saul definitely had a piece of him that was missing with love. He saw David lifted up. And Saul went off the deep end. After hearing this crowd, it sort of halfway mocked them a little bit. But they were bragging about what David could do. We have to, as people, understand that other people need to be praised. This church ain't all about me. It ain't all about anybody in particular in this church. It's about Jesus. This army fought for, the, for, for God. This army was following the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't following Saul. And y'all notice that the Philistine, when he commented back to the army, he says, you follow Saul. That's not really who they followed. They followed God. They followed God. They followed Him. And we, they don't follow a man. We see that in verse 9 that Saul watched David... From that point forward. From then on, it was rent. I'm not going to put up with you no more, David. He just set him out there and he killed the Goliath, the biggest threat that Israel had faced in quite some time. And he won. But some words changed his mind. We have to learn that words matter. That old, old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's wrong. Words hurt. They hurt a lot more than a lot of us think. In verse 9, we see once again, from that point forward, all from what we heard somebody say, I do not trust David anymore. And in verse 10 and 11, if you read that, I'll just go up and read that. Verse 10 and 11, And when it came to pass in the morrow, that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand, and at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. What does that scripture say? It says that Saul had a spear in his hand and threw it at him twice and said, I will throw it at him and make it go through him and stick him to the wall and teach him a lesson. I want to kill him. So I ain't got to worry about him no more. Saul became a cold-blooded murderer at the thoughts of what a couple people had said, what some people had said around him. 
Words hurt. Words will drive you crazy. Words will get under your skin. Words will bother you. And in verse 12, it shows us that Saul was afraid because he realized that David had what he once had. A lot of us, I want you to realize something. you got something special in your lives, and when you lose it, somebody else gets it, it may make you angry. You may get, uh, it may get under your skin. It may bother you. You see somebody doing a certain, certain way, and you don't like it. You'll get mad. We, as God's people, I'll say this. Sometimes we get angry for no reason. <laughs> we do. For no good reason. But I want you to realize today that when we hear things, words matter. When we say things, Words matter. Can we as God's people be smart enough to know that when we speak, people listen? People are listening. Your children hear what you say about them. Your family hears what you say about them. When you mutter things under your breath, when you say them out loud, no matter how, how you say things, they matter. Be careful with how you speak. Be careful with how we say things. Be careful with how we listen to things. That old voice, that old tongue of ours is one of, the, one of the hardest things to control in this world is our tongues, is our pens, is our computer boards. Those things are hard to control. But learn to control it. As they get a verse of some song ready, I want you to think a little bit this morning about what you've said this week, what you've said in this last month, what you've said in the church this morning. Is everything you've said, what you've spoken, have you... Can you lean back and say that God is okay with what you've said? God is okay with what you're doing. What you've said in your life is completely okay. I want you to think about how our tongue affects what we do, our leadership, our country, our community, and our church. Our tongue matters. Let's control it. Let's do what...